This time Miss Betty Wells is going to bring us special. God walks the dark hills, the highways, the byways. He walks on the billows of life's troubled sea. He walks in the cold, dark shadows of midnight. God walks the dark hills to guide you and me. God walks the dark hills to guide my footsteps. He walks everywhere by night and by day. He walks inside. On down the highway, God walks the dark hills to show me the way. God walks in the storm, the rain and sunshine. He walks in the shadows of glimmering light. He walks up the mountain so high, the rivers and valleys. God walks everywhere, for He loves you and me. God walks the dark hills to guide my footsteps. He walks everywhere by night and by day. He walks in silence on down the God walks the dark hills to show me the way. God walks the dark hills to show me the way.
Good morning. If you will, begin turning your Bibles to John chapter 12, verse 27. I don't know about you, but I've been in a lot of situations in my life when I didn't know what to say. A lot of situations where I was perplexed and speechless and, you know, even many of you have been in these situations where maybe you thought to blame God, to look around and question your faith. But just like Miss Betty just sang, He's with us in the dark times as well. I reached back this week to a message I've never preached before, but a thought I had in my first year in seminary. What do you say when you don't know what to say? Let's stand as we read. John chapter 12, verse 27. It says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to come here this morning. Lord, help us to take something away from this message this morning that we can apply to our lives. And dear Lord, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pain, in the midst of the most scariest moments of our life, help us to be about your will. Help us to be about glorifying your name. Dear Lord, forgive us all our sins. In your name I pray. Amen. If you will, jump back with me in chapter 12. Uh, This is John chapter 12, verse 12. And we find something very interesting. It says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Now this is a very important context to why Jesus said, My hours come. And a lot of people don't realize this and don't really study this out, but this is very important context to the story. If you look back in John chapter 7 and verse 1, John chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for He found He would not walk in Jewry or Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. He wouldn't go in Judea. And let me show you the map why that chapter 12, verse 12 is important. Is because Judea is this area, and inside of that area is Jerusalem. And Jesus avoided Judea because people were seeking to kill him. And you say, well, Jesus was scared. What? No, that's, that's not the situation here. Jesus knew that He still had prophecies to fulfill. He knew that He still had ministry to do. And so He followed God's direction. If you think about it, you probably can remember back to the story of David, King David, and him running from Saul. It wasn't that he was scared. David had his army. David had, he was in hiding because he was following God's direction. He was following God's direction because David knew that as big of a threat as Saul posed to his life, God was going to take care of it. If you look at Psalms 32, Psalms chapter 32 and verse 7, 
We see this psalm of David and and this verse 7 really describes it all for me. It says here, Thou art my hiding place. Thou, Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. Selah. David realized something that Jesus realized that in life, when we follow God's direction, no matter where it takes us to, no matter the troubles we encounter along that journey, God is our deliverance. God is the one who's going to preserve us. God's the one who's going to keep us. Now, to set up this scene a little more, back in our context, John chapter 12 and verse 19. Hope you brought your fingers today. We're going to be using this Bible. Alright? John chapter 12 and verse 19, it says, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after Him. We see not only Jesus coming into Judea where people sought to kill Him, but we see these Pharisees just right there with Jesus that they, they weren't followers of Jesus. And that matter of fact, they wanted the followers of Jesus. Their whole livelihood hinged upon having followers, these Pharisees. Jesus posed as a threat to the Pharisees. Who would the authority be if Jesus was around? They couldn't make the Jews listen if someone else was in control, if someone else promised a better future for them. The Pharisees had no authority and it threatened them. Look at verse 20 in our text, verse 20 through 23. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Jesus knew that His time had come. He knew what going into Judea meant. It meant death for Him. He knew that people were out to get Him. His ministry was over, and not much longer would His life. Jesus knew that His hour had come. And I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been in a situation like that? When you knew it was time? When you knew no matter what the outcome, it didn't look good? A situation where hope looked as if it was impossible. Maybe it seemed as if you were following God and doing everything you could to be right in His sight. But all of a sudden, it seemed as if God is nowhere around. He's not present. It will cause you to doubt your faith. It's in these critical moments in life that we find the choices that really need to be made. Will I follow Him? 
even in the dark times? Will I follow Him when things seem gloom, when things seem destitute, when, when I don't have a hope, it seems? Because we know this one truth, our only hope is in Him. Can we hold tight to that? Can we hold tight to that truth and so, so that we persevere through the dark times knowing, knowing that God is leading? What if God calls us to the dark times because He knows there needs to be light there? Look at verse 24 through 27, verse 27. We see the choice that Christ must make. In verse 24 it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this hour, for this cause, came I into unto this hour. Following Christ means putting aside our desires. Following Christ means laying our lives down at His feet, being willing to be used by Him. What is this life? That may be a question that kind of bumfuzzles you, but Scripture declares what this life is. Think about James. He says this life is but a vapor. It's here for a short time, and then it's going to be gone away. The wisest man on earth, King Solomon, said this, This life is vanity under the sun. Empty. Meaningless. You say, well, Trey, you're a ray of sunshine today. No, we'll get there. Alright? Under the sun, this life is meaningless. But we can work for someone who's above the sun. We can work for somebody who's in supreme power. We can live for God. Jesus uses this analogy of wheat. uh, As a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it leaves its life source, so to speak. In the process of that, I believe it's called germination. And in that process, much fruit comes from that grain of wheat. What if laying aside our desires to serve Christ is what it takes to lead someone to Christ? Putting ourselves aside and saying, God, use me. I don't care the outcome. I don't care where you're going to take me, but use me. What if that's what God wants for your life in order for you to bear much fruit? But look at verse 27 and we see the choice that Christ made. He says, should I ask God to save me from this hour when this hour is my purpose? The choice Jesus faced was the same. Lay down your life 
Lay down your desires for God's glory. Jesus must lay down His life for the sins of the world. Any other way would have been disobedience to God. Jesus knew His purpose was to lay it down. Jesus knew that there was no other way that salvation could come to mankind except He go to the cross and He lay His life down. You think He wanted as a human being to hang on that cross, to endure the beatings, to go through the punishment that He was not worthy of? The crown of thorns as they pushed it on His head. The pain He encountered. You think He wanted that? No. But He needed to do that, to be in obedience with God. Christ's choice was to obey. Most of the time, that's what our choice boils down to in life. Obey or not obey. Are we going to do what is pleasing in the Lord's sight or do what's pleasing in our sight? We can take something in a situation and if it's pleasing in our sight, we can justify it. It, it, We can talk about how much fun it is. But if it's not God's will, we're in disobedience. I want you to see Jesus' response here. Look in verse 28. He says, Father, glorify thy name. Father, glorify thy name. What did he say back in verse 27? My soul's troubled. Father, glorify thy name. Whenever we don't know what to say, whenever we don't know the situation at hand, whenever we don't understand it all, we can always say, Father, glorify your name. In essence, what Jesus was saying is, God, magnify yourself in this situation. Where it's not just about me and about who I am, but it's about you and that's what I'm living for. When we get to these type situations, when our soul feels as if it is troubled, and we have nothing left to say, we can always say, Lord, glorify your name. I don't like pain. I don't like it at all. Physically, emotionally, I just don't like it. And anybody in here, you're a little on border if if you do like it, okay? But here's the question. What if it takes my pain to bring Him glory? Am I willing to go through it? Is He worth it? Absolutely. That's what He went to the cross for. He paid for my sins in order that I, Trey Emery, can serve Him in spite of the pain I go through. I know that everything I do in that pain has the opportunity to bring Him glory. We ask ourselves sometimes, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Why, Lord, do You put this burden on me? Why would God put a situation like this in my life? God must not love me anymore. 
The truth is, God does love you. And He chose you for that situation. Out of all the people in the world He could have used to go through that situation, to go through that situation and glorify Him, He chose you. There's love there. There's love there that He chose you to go through that situation. He chose you to be that person that brings His name glory. He does love us. Just the same, He chose His very own Son to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Being faultless, He hung. Jesus learned obedience just like we must learn obedience. Look at Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 9, it says this. It says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in, in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obeyed him. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of his obedience, we have an eternal home with God. Look at verse 32 and verse 33 of our text. John chapter 12, verse 32 and 33. And if, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. If I be lifted up, if I, if I hang on that cross, if I hang on that cross for all men, I can draw all men to me. Because of Jesus' selfless act of obedience, now the whole world has the opportunity to know Him. Because He was lifted up on that cross and hung for each and every one of us. Some will reject it, but everyone has the opportunity. What selflessness is God calling us to? Maybe it's not a cross, but hey, the Scripture tells us to pick up our cross and follow Him. So even if it is our cross, will we follow? Even if it is a painful situation, will we follow? Even if it's in the midst of trying our patience, trying our pride, trying everything, will we follow? Jesus did. He's the example. 
Maybe it's the abandonment of pride and thinking that you're good enough on your own to get to heaven. If that's your thought, do you not see the selflessness in Christ as He died on the cross? He did it for you. He did it for me. Or maybe you're here this morning and and you need to abandon yourself and give your life to serving God no matter what the circumstances. We're fixing to have a hymn of invitation. I want to ask you this morning, can you look at yourself in the mirror and say, God, in spite of who I am, in, in spite of reckless, abandoned Trey Emery, Will you please glorify yourself in me? Will you please use this vessel to magnify your name? And as I go through this life, I may get the scars of this life. But I want to be used by you. Can you say that?